Are you ready to be a better, more successful, and open-minded trader and investor? I'm Serge Berger, head trader and investment strategist at thestudytrader.com, and I want to help you get there. Whether you've been investing for years or are just getting your feet wet, this podcast will help you cut through the noise and get dialed in on the big picture. We will utilize research, guest interviews, and real-time analysis of the market. We're at a critical juncture in the market where knowledge really will mean power. Lots of investors are getting quite frustrated in terms of the lack of economic recession that is uh, at least in the equity market noticeable. At the same time, lots of people see different signs that that is definitely something that's coming. Hey, everybody. Serge Berger here, your host of the Steady Wealth Podcast. And in today's episode, we are going to address the question, where is the economic recession? Now, I do want to be clear. I'm going to be focusing on the United States economy. Um, obviously, that is a big part of the global or a notable part of the global economy. Uh, thus, it affects the global economy, but by no means means is, does that mean I'm going to talk that reflects every single economy in the world. That would be totally ignorant. And that, of course, is simply not the case. So I'm going to talk about the United States in terms of its economic um, growth. I will also relate this a little bit to Europe, where... Uh, we have close correlations to that um, as well, and we'll even uh, throw in a little bit of China because, of course, that is important in terms of uh, these economies being very connected in terms of supply chains. So as I'm recording this here today, I'm looking at the S&P 500, which here to date, and again, depending on when you watch this, uh, the number might be different, but year to date, as I'm recording this here right now, I'm looking at a um, stock market for the S&P that's up about 10, let's call it 11%, if you want to be extremely precise, uh, somewhere there, let me see, it might even be a touch more, um, and I'm looking at a NASDAQ 100, yeah, it's actually closer to 14% for the S&P, and the NASDAQ 100, I'm going to go with the QQQ, that is up a giant, um, Let's see here, at up a giant uh, 36%, something like that, right? Give or take a couple percent. Um, why? And, and, and more importantly, um, what are the potential outcomes here? Well, let's address these questions and unpack this uh, bit by bit over the next uh, number of minutes. So first of all, what I'm certainly noticing is that there are basically two different um, camp of thoughts right now. One camp, and I'm going to talk, start with the bullish one, essentially looks at a lot of sentiment and positioning. And that camp argues that the uh, negativity in the market got to such extremes last year and then early in 2023 that, you know, from that perspective, it's very difficult for the market to go a lot lower. In fact, they argue that there's lots of short squeezing happening in the market going higher. The other thing that those, um, I'm going to call them the bulls, uh, would argue that the consumer is holding uh, is holding in a lot better than people think and uh, will sustain the, their uh, purchasing power. 
um, as inflation comes down a little bit and we're going to have a soft landing, no landing, you know, unicorn landing, <laughs> whatever. Um, that's kind of what they look at. So essentially it's, it's, it's positioning and it's, um, it's a strong consumer that they are betting on. Um, the bearish camp on the other hand, and, and, and I would, I will be completely transparent and in case this is not obvious, I do think we will go into some sort of a recession. What they look at is they look at more the underpinnings of the economy. Yes, not ignoring positioning or strong the strong consumer, but realizing or at least looking at, and again, I obviously I'm I personally am biased to the bear side. Uh, but I am certainly open to the other side as well. I just think that the other side is more tactical than uh, than sort of 12 months. But what they really look at is interest rates. They see that the rate of change in interest rates, rise in interest rates in uh, 30, 40 years, in fact, the, the sharpest at the quickest rate um, ever. So that's literally never happened before going from 20 basis points to 500 basis points in terms of um, Fed uh, discount rate. Uh, Fed funds. So, um, and and what they're looking at is arguably, ultimately, that is going to lead to economic growth slowing. And the way they look at that is largely the pain that higher interest rates bring uh, on the personal, on the private consumer, right? So that means if a consumer has is leasing a new car and rates are five times or <laughs> 5,000 times higher, depending on what they look at, or even if they're five times higher, um, that is going to mean they have to spend a lot more money per month to lease that car. Um, that's the, the private consumer. And of course, that you know rolls over to any other part of wherever anyone is financing stuff. Homes, I know people push back on that because they say in the United States, most homes are, are fixed um, rates for 30 years. And of course, that's true. Um, but uh, it doesn't hold true if, if you're changing, changing your home. But anyway, um, more importantly is the other part. I think that people are looking at that, uh, and, uh, and and that's really the the, the corporate uh, issue. So corporate bonds, and and again, yes, obviously most companies are not so naive as to only you know uh, finance themselves at uh, you know one month LIBOR or or SOFR or whatever or whatever or you know, only at, you know, one 12 month paper, but they stagger it. Nevertheless, um, every single month we go deeper into the higher interest rates, more and more and more and more companies are going to have to roll over their debt, refinancing debt at much, 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 much higher rates. And that gets me to, I think, the lag effect that it just, to me, when I talk to individuals, when I talk uh, uh, retail investors, professional investors, um, as well, but certainly the retail crowd, I think they have forgotten how long it takes for higher interest to push through, especially in a very unique circumstance where we've had a once in a hundred year pandemic, which we haven't had since the Spanish flu in the early 1900s, um, uh, where that really, and the stimulus we've had, right, as a response of that, where the governments went crazy, particularly the United States uh, um, the government went crazy in terms of stimulus. Um, it, it just it just basically gave gave people a lot more breathing room to get through uh, to get through harder times. So when I look at this, I say to myself a couple things. I say to myself, okay, when you look at previous interest hiking cycles, 
going back about 40 plus years, an average recession um, took about 13 months to start to really kick in after the Fed stopped hiking rates. So that basically means, let's say the Fed were to stop hiking rates today, um, about a year from now <laughs> is when the recession would start. Now, understand that markets are always forward-looking. So the equity market typically looks forward six to nine months. So that basically means that at the very latest, in a few months from now, let's call it four or five months, um, maybe six months at the very, very, very latest, the uh, and arguably much sooner, the economy, the markets are going to start to price in a more of an, of, of an economic slowdown. So I think that's more important to understand. The other thing is, you know, there are distinct problems we have. The regional banking problem is not over. Yes, we've backstopped it for, for a while, um, but it's not over. And uh, neither is the commercial real estate problem, the, particularly the commercial real estate in, in sort of, you know, city centers, downtowns that are a lot of them are deserted. And um, high yield, I, I think, is, is only just beginning. Uh, startups just got a new statistic last week that startups are getting into uh, uh, into a finally starting to, to run out of cash at a much faster rate. So it's all really happening, um, as I've been saying now for several months. It's just the equity market and a lot of investors have gotten impatient. So to address the question, where is the recession? I say it's out there. It's like, and, and I, I hate to sound, give you a creepy analogy just here as we head into summer and everyone's going to start swimming in oceans and lakes or is already doing so. But it's kind of like the sea monster that's lurking underneath, you know, us swimming on top on the, on the water in the lake in, or the ocean. And it's, it's slowly coming up and getting and is going to get us. Right. Um, and I hope I'm not going to give anyone creeps now. That's going to that's uh, that's going to, you know, enjoy the summer and, and, and mess up your summer vacation. But that's really kind of the way I, I, I look at it right now. And again, it's patient. And I think the equity market has run out of patience. And of, of course, all, um, um, uh, AI, um, artificial intelligence, has been a good uh, outlet, a good uh, sort of valve for impatient investors to really come and stampede in. I think algorithms, which just people know, some people know, eighty percent of trading nowadays is, or even more, is algorithmic um, or automated to some extent. Um, so you can do the math, right? So if someone's, if algos start to pick up on these trends, uh, rallies can really get much, much more severe than they ever have. And I think that's exactly what's happening. So to me, um, we are in that, we're in a situation where we will have an economic recession. I think mathematically there's, there's no way that I, there's no way I can slice it that I don't see a severe economic slowdown. I, I always want to make clear, I'm not talking about the end of the world. We, that could happen. It's not what I see happening as a base case. I think those are extreme views to have because they, those are tail events and it's hard for the, to, to, to really, really measure if that can happen. Even if you go back to the great financial crisis, you know, some of the guys that were short mortgage-backed securities and all that kind of stuff, um, they didn't know really to what extent things would get bad. Right, they had an idea, but they couldn't really exactly quantify it um, to the tick. At least, you know, most people didn't. If they did, it was more luck than than you know, complete science. So, I think we're at the calm before the storm. That's what I see, and I think the next 
four, five, six months are going to become really, really interesting. Uh, one other anecdote I want to give you is that seasonality wise, we tend to see the market run out of steam um, in terms of its uh, um, post midterms uh, and uh, midterm election cycle. So after midterms, what tends to happen is the market rallies. Um, and but that 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 seasonality tends to end after June of the fall uh, of the year before the actual election. So that will be basically months or weeks, give or take. I mean, it's not an exact sentence. So I think that's important. Now, how long? Once we get into a recession, how long does it last? And how do we actually play this as investors? Well, first of all, let's let's address the first question first. Um, on average, recessions it, it varies as the, the simple answer, but on average, a recession lasts somewhere around eight to ten months, and we can all argue over whether that's give or take one or two months on either side, but somewhere within that, so eight to twelve months is kind of where where we where we come down. Um, the more important statistic that I want to bring across to people, and I just mentioned a couple times already, sort of as like subliminal subliminal messages, but I'm going to like be very factual about this right now. Um, the more important part is to understand that the, the stock market is a forward-looking mechanism. Uh, the bond market tends to lead the stock market sometimes, sometimes by six or, or even more months. And I think that's exactly what's happening right now. Um, it's been a very frustrating investor, uh, time for, for investors in the bond market um, for now the better part of almost 12 months such as myself, who I really thought that we would get a bigger and sharper rally in bonds by now. We haven't seen it. The bond market certainly has rallied. It's well off its lows, making lower highs, high, higher lows, excuse me. But we haven't yet reached a point where uh, we're seeing a big move higher, largely again, because the economy, the recession continues to be pushed out further because we just haven't quite gotten there yet. But I think just be understand that the market is forward-looking, six to nine months. And what that really means is for investors to realize that once we start to get, I think we're one credit event, one major headline event away from the market waking up to this in a very, very meaningful way. And that's why I always tell our our, our clients, whether it's our actual direct clients, uh, where we manage money for at Blue Marlin Advisors, our investment advisory clients, um, or of course, uh, our research clients at the Study Trader. So that's thestudytrader.com, um, where we su- supply all this in t- research in terms of uh, uh, emails and, and webinars and videos and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and what I want to make sure they understand uh, is that we are, again, it's, it's really just one, uh, one quick uh, event away from, from, from things getting a lot worse. And we've had multiple, uh, multiple events already. We've had the, it all started with with the uh, the pension crisis in uh, the United Kingdom, um, and then it moved into um, uh, the the regional banking crisis, of course, and um, and I think it's one more one more event here will be sort of the straw that that, that breaks the camel's back. Now, again, that does not mean that the equity market has to collapse fifty or thirty percent from here. That certainly can happen. It's not the point. The point is that the path of least resistance for equities is probably lower and not higher, meaning that the upside is limited. And I know that's very difficult for a lot of people to see, particularly if you look at sentiment, and that goes back to the bullish argument, which again, the bulls argue that sentiment is extremely pessimistic, everyone's positioned bearishly. Um, and, and, and that's not that incorrect, depending on which data you look at. Now, I can tell you that 
I could almost make the opposite argument in terms of positioning, depending on what kind of positioning I look at. It's, I know that's maybe a, a touch too much um, to digest here, but you know, depending on which data you take, commercial, non-commercial, speculators, you know, futures, options, indices, whatever, you can come up with a very different reading. Like I, for example, one of the things that I know is that a lot of institutional investors that I speak to, and that includes hedge funds and family offices, they stopped buying stocks for a rally a couple of weeks ago at this point. Again, we're not trying to micro-time the market with that call, but I see that and they're getting more and more hesitant, especially as we're heading through a lot of economic data uh, over the next uh, the, a couple of weeks or so. And again, it, it's, it's, it's important to see both sides. And that's really the point of the quick note and podcast I wanted to, wanted to provide here. Um, and certainly, I have been caught by surprise of how strong I would not have thought that the Nasdaq would be up again as I'm recording this, you know, 37% or whatever it is year to date. I didn't think that would happen. I could have easily seen 20%, maybe 25%. So the last 10% have been extreme. And I think that's also now where we're very overbought, by the way. Um, but again, it's important to respect both sides. This is not, you know, I don't know who's going to win this, although I strongly suspect. But ultimately, we are going to have a recession and we're going to see mean reversion uh, in equity markets lower. Uh, we, make, we make new lows and break below the October 22 lows. I don't know. And it's almost not really kind of the point. The point is really much more that um, the path of least resistance is probably sideways to lower. And again, very, very limited upside um, in the broader markets through a three to six month lens on the upside. In a very, very near term, again, depending on you watching this, I'm recording this here in the middle of June, uh, specifically on June 10th. Um, I think, you know, we are probably very overbought, very, very near term. doesn't mean we can't have one more last gasp rally, but um, for the most part, we are. So I would argue that uh, uh, when I look at economic reality, again, to me, it's all based and rooted in the fact that interest rates have gone from zero, more or less, to 5% in a matter of 18 months. That has A, never happened before, and B, when when that kind of stuff happened, when something in the neighborhood of this magnitude happened every single time, and even much less increases, um, the economy very quickly soured, ultimately, once it got to the breaking point. I think that is extremely likely. That's our base case. So we position cautiously in equities, meaning underweight equities as an asset class in general, um, uh, more and more bonds, fixed income on, on, on the treasury side, pretty much across the curve. Doesn't mean we can't have more durations in the bond market, but I think if we look back, you know, six, nine months from now, that will have been a pretty good positioning. Uh, for those of you interested in our research, where we send out trade alerts, we have tremendous software that allows us to track the market and give us trade alerts and trends. We can import our portfolios. Go to thestudytrader.com and particularly have a look at our Inner Circle Market Rover subscription. I would encourage everyone to have a look at that. It's an absolute game changer. We are seeing people that are finally, for the first time ever, understanding what in what trend we are, their stocks are, their watch lists are. They get alerted in real time when a trend changes in one of their portfolio stocks or one of their watch lists. And on top of that, it, it gives them alerts when there's a new trade to be done, right? So differentiating between trade and investments, right? Two different things. Um, have a look at that. Go to thestudytrader.com. Uh, you can click on products and you'll see Market Rover Inner Circle. Have a look at that. Um, there's also a phone number any, or, or you can contact us to get more questions about it. Everyone to, uh, to give that a go and you'll see it can be an absolute game changer for your investment and trading. Um, otherwise, you go to bluemarlinadvisor.com, www.bluemarlinadvisor.com. 
That is our investment advisory firm, obviously completely legal, different entity that's highly registered by the states. Um, if you are looking for an investment management solution where we do we do exactly that, we manage uh, uh, portfolios and investments and also do investment advisory uh, and uh, and all those things uh, for our client there. Thank you all for listening. I hope it was helpful and I'll see you in the next Steady Wealth Podcast episode. Talk to you soon. Uh-huh.